Welcome in everyone to Flyover Footy. My name is Matt Baker here with my friend in soccer, Santiago Beltran, for our first 2024 Flyover Fallout. Thank you so much for joining us. We're here to recap the St. Louis City 1-1 draw against Real Salt Lake to open the MLS season. And we'll also provide a little bit of a preview against the Houston Dynamo as we travel down to Houston for the second leg of the first round in CONCACAF Champions Cup. So Santi, before we get started, how you doing? How was the match? And how was your first call of the season? Doing great, doing great, Matt. Um, the match, uh, obviously not a win, uh, but I'll take the point. But it was exciting to call that Sam Adeniran goal, uh, just the way he he won that ball and found the space for himself to, uh, to shoot it. Uh, it was a, a great goal, and, and I enjoyed calling it. You know, Santi, one of the thing, one of the things that I think I'm most excited about to talk tonight is what your overall takeaway was given the fixture congestion that we're involved in right now. So before we get into all of that, let's go with what we usually do for our flyover fallouts. For anyone who's new to us this season, thank you so much for listening to us. We always start off with the starting 11, and we always try to get into what that means and analyze that a little bit. So let's look into the starting 11. It was Roman Berkey and net Anthony Markanik, Joachim Nilsson, Tim Parker, and Thomas Totlin made up the back line. Edu Leuven, Jabulu Blom were our midfielders. Nukvi Thorson, Aziel Jackson, Salio Pompeu were our attacking midfielders. And Klaus was up front in a 4-2-3-1. There's a lot of familiarity. It was potentially a strong lineup given the fact that we were coming off of a Champions Cup match and we have another one here in a few days. But my takeaways after seeing this in action is that we just seem to struggle to connect. We connect, we struggled to connect to the midfield. We struggled to connect the final pass. There was a lot, and I don't want to take away from RSL. So an underlying tone to all my analysis, all of my takes in this is that RSL played a very strong game. I was very impressed with how they were able to both press us when they needed to, but also drop back in some significant defense, whether it was dropping back five or six in the box, they prevented a lot of space from being utilized by St. Louis City. And I think it stymied in particular Nukvi Thorson and AZL Jackson in what they were trying to do in and around Klaus. What was your takeaway from this starting 11 and how you thought, some of your, some of your big picture thoughts of how they performed? Yeah, so obviously we didn't, our starting 11 uh, was incorrect. I, I was expecting a little bit more of rotation uh, on the back line, but uh, we had the same back line as, as Tuesday. Maybe uh, the fact that Kyle Heaver was out, uh, yeah. maybe that had something to do with it. But um, competitive lineup and uh, some of the guys uh, we were expecting to see, uh, Nugby Torrison, Celio, uh, feature and it started yesterday, but um, as you said, uh, like um, things weren't happening, uh, too many uh, missed passes, and um, credit to RSL because they they have a good team. They are difficult to to play against, and and they show yesterday that they could be a, a contender uh, for playoffs. And when I talked to the RSL guys before the season over at the RSL show from Salt Lake, their projection, their goal this season is a top four finish. So that has to be understood is that the team that we saw against Miami may have led to some beginning of the season expectations of, oh, this team lost to nothing. They can't they can't keep a lead. They can't come back They're They're not able to on the road do much. 
but that was a strong lineup, as we tried to point out on our Flyver footy last week, is that the team that played Miami was strong. The team that played St. Louis was strong. They may have been missing some attacking pieces, which did hamper them. You know, the fact that some of these stats we're going to get into, they weren't overly effective in their attack, but they prevented so much mm-hmm. in our defense. And with this starting 11, some of my takeaways when you look at some of their average positionings is just kind of how our how our midfield seems so compact in the middle without having a whole lot of space, yet we couldn't connect many of our passes. And I think this may be a fact that St. Louis likes to connect those long passes. They like to lead players really high up the field. So some of the connections that occurred that I remember seeing regularly were more like Thomas Totlin up to Salio Pompeu, from Anthony Marcanic or Jabulu Blome up to Nukvi Thorson, and leveraging the wings. But if you look at the average positionings on SofaScore, which we're taking a look at now, you have Edu Leuven, Aziel Jackson, and Klaus bunched up pretty tightly together, almost not quite underneath a guy like Salio Pompeu, but really tight in the central midfield, central attacking part of the field. And I don't think that did a service to anyone when they tried to create space, when they tried to make that final pass. And that's why one of my big takeaways overarching is an inability to complete the final pass that led to some high percentage chances. The The stats kind of back this up too. So Santi, when you look at, especially the first half, how you saw some of these positionings and some of these, uh, where the players were, were tendencies in the field, what were some of your takeaways in how we were connecting? Yeah, so as you mentioned, uh, a lot of guys uh, in the middle and uh, RSL, they uh, they were very compact in the back line and they have a lot of guys um, in the middle too. So uh, when when City was trying to to create chances there, um, they, they couldn't connect the passes or RSL will anticipate well or the passes will be short. Like uh, I, I remember seeing a lot of plays that uh, it will be like back and forth and uh, City will get possession and get dispossessed and then the other way around. Uh, there was a lot of that um, on RSL's uh, end of the field and in the end uh, just it was very difficult for City to to break down RSL and um, they they played a good game. They, they showed they they're a good team. Just looking at the at the RS position uh, and uh, it, it's been great to see what um, Thomas Totland is doing. And when you look at where he was positioned, he was basically, his average position was on midfield. And and um, he has, like he attacks, uh, when he's on the attack, when he's attacking, he, he he's a, a great threat, but uh, he also tracks back very quickly when it's time to defend. So he has been a great addition to, to City. Uh, I like what I have seen from him these last two games. In all of the comments that I've been seeing, and we're recording this on Sunday night, all of the comments that I've been seeing from both Saturday night into Sunday, Thomas Totlin, I can't recall seeing a negative thing about him, both in his ability to progress up and create chances, put himself into dangerous positions to maybe get a second chance shot off of, but also the way he's tracking back, 1v1 defending, closing gaps on on some defenders or on some attackers when you're looking at like a Tim Parker or a Josh Yarrow combining with a Jabulu Blome in that area of the field. So Thomas Totland doing a great job through two games on both sides of the ball. Santi, I'm going to get into some of the high-level stats before we go into the goals and kind of how we feel in each half. There's one stat that stands out 
and it backs up what you were just saying as far as how we were trying to progress the ball, getting dispossessed, not able to to move into some dangerous parts to get off that last shot. Tell me if you can if you can figure it out. So possession for this game broke down almost exactly as we would expect slash want with St. Louis having 40% possession, RSL with 60, and that was consistent in both halves. There was almost no difference in the overall possession both halves. Expected goals, it was far from what St. Louis City wanted. Depending on the site you look at, depending on the the stat base, it was St. Louis City with 0.7 expected goals to RSL's 1.71, and RSL had 1.41 expected goals in the second half, if that tells you how any of the momentum and trends were going. St. Louis's was about 0.38, The MLS website had slightly higher, but all the takeaway from the expected goals is the shots that were being taken were not in good parts of the field that you would expect the ball to go into the back of the net. That's kind of what that boils down to, these low percentage shots that we refer to. Real Salt Lake only had three shots on target the entire game. You can look at two, some of the overall shots, overall shots on goal, but when you have RSL taking having three shots on target the whole game, I think you can't look to their offense necessarily being overproductive Total shots were pretty pretty consistent, 16 for RSL, 14 for St. Louis City. And St. Louis City, in fact, beat RSL on shots on target, 5-3, to three, though it goes back to those low percentage shots in what really ended up making the difference for St. Louis City. Long passes, passes over 30 yards, uh, St. Louis had 23 of 56 completed, RSL had 41 of 82. Part of this leads into the fact that completed passes overall, RSL almost doubled St. Louis City. 420 to 224. So you're looking at a doubling of those long passes, a doubling of the overall passes. Not necessarily over, not surprising given the possession, given the amount of ball movement that RSL had. And then here's the thing I'm giving away my question earlier. The duels won by some of our attacking players. And I bring this up. We don't, we, we tend to focus on like the most important facts, the important stats um, for each one of our fallouts. I think this one speaks volumes. Duels won. AZ Jackson, 3 of 13. Nuke V. Thorson, 6 of 13. Klaus, 4 of 11. And Salio, 3 of 8. I don't know about you, Santi, but when I see stats like this from our attackers, and I, I called out our attackers very specifically, I think of the way we were progressing the ball and what our attackers were needing to do to facilitate that final pass. And it is recover the ball it is it is make sure you can take the ball from a dangerous area and then pass it off. And if they were struggling in either their 50-50s, ground or aerial, in the attacking part of the field where their responsibility to receive a pass is going to be, having those duels 1v1s where they're facing off against the Salt Lake defender, and they're having this low percentage chances where combined you end up with around 15 or so total mm-hmm. duels won by our attackers, you're not going to be putting yourself in a good position to be able to then make a final pass or to take the ball, win it, and then get off a good shot. Was it duels? Was it the overall passes? Was it the the inefficiency of our shots to shots on goal? What are some of your takeaways on those stats? I, I think it's a combination of both. Um, and looking at passes, uh, our city's passing accuracy was 67%. And I was trying to remember if uh, that was like what we saw last season or maybe mm-hmm. a little lower, but uh, compared to Rioso Lake, um, they had 82%. And yeah, they had way more passes, but when you look at the accuracy, um, you can tell the story there. Um, like, uh, and when you mention 
duels too. Like uh, I, I go back and think, uh, yeah, like uh, Celio, um, what, like usually he's very good uh, on those 1v1s. Um, yesterday wasn't the case. And it, same, same thing with AC, but yesterday he, he lost uh, most of them and also have uh, a lot of passes that were like um like half passes that were intercepted or uh not strong enough and somebody um somebody will get them um but yeah i think um i don't know if it is still uh that preseason uh rust but uh but yeah i didn't like what what i saw um yesterday on the offensive side and you could point to just about any single player as having a, a role in that inefficiency. I know some of the comments, and in fact, some of the chat that we're seeing today, uh, some of the comments are related to Brett Stillman mentioning, does anyone feel AZ and Klaus don't match well? Klaus consistently looked frustrated with them. There are comments all across the board about Nuke V. Thorison, his inability to do anything on or near goal, Celio Pompeu getting forced out wide to the wing. There's frustration that, is present with almost every single player. And when you have, I feel the the lack of of good chances being created and exciting chances that we saw a lot against Houston, I feel in comparison last week, there's there's going to be an obvious frustration from the fan base in a lot of the players. And you you we mentioned Thomas Tolan being one of those rare exceptions. And I think I would classify Jabulu Blom as another exception to the ire that that you could find a fault with. I thought Blom played a magnificent job both as the pivot in his ask to progress the ball up, but also when he needed to step back in some of the later parts of the game, given some of the flows that occurred, which we're going to get into, I think Blom did a fantastic job. So as we think through not just how how our chances were suffering the attack and some of those high-level things that the stats tell the story about, let's go into some of what happened in each half. I think the first half, the story to be told for me in the first half was Tim Parker. He exited and he exited the game in 35 minutes on that play. It was a play that was building up from Totland sending a pass long to Salio. It was one of these where Salio nearly got fouled in the box, telling a little bit of a story about the referee situation in the game potentially. But Parker went down non-contact injury, found out later, I believe it was muscle tightness, and he was pulled at that point as a precaution. I don't think anybody looking back on it is upset with the fact that Parker was pulled. It's the first game of the season that we have three, four games in four games in 11 or 12 days. We have three games here in the, in almost a week's time span. You can't risk a guy like Tim Parker. That's a good call by Bradley Carnell to take him out. Now, the things that happened after that, they were thinking on the fly. It was dealing with a lot of things that you just did not game plan for looking at the formations, looking at the substitutes in the second half. But this moment to take out Tim Parker, I was a fan of given what we learned after the fact and Parker's ability to stay uh, or to not miss time, which is what we found out from Carnell at the end of the game, saying that he shouldn't miss time. We hope to see Parker back quickly, but I- I'm I'm not upset with what ended up happening. And Josh Yarrow did an admirable job. He really didn't change the positioning too much of that of that area of the field. I thought he played a role near Berkey as as opposed to Nielsen moving a little higher. But the offense in this half, Santi, I was. I was hot and cold because the first half where I mentioned RSL had most of their expected goals in the second half, first half for St. Louis city was our chance. We had multiple pretty good opportunities. And I think that's where some of the narrative is lost a little bit is that the way the second half played out is what people remember. It's being frustrated at not able to do anything. Whereas in the first half, 
you had Klaus receiving a ball in the box from Nukvi Thorson. And whether you want to chalk it up to rust, whether you want to chalk it up to not positioning yourself to goal to receive the pass, he took too long to put the ball on net. And because of that, it was a block shot where when he received the ball, it was a perfect opportunity to go for goal. You had another chance where AZ received a header from Leuven on a free kick. And it was, it just wasn't a ball that had enough pace on it to find net. You then had probably the absolute best chance of the half, which was the Edu Leuven corner that Joao Klaus had on. And it was blocked by the defense of RSL. That was, it beat the keeper and their defense had a perfectly positioned player there to block Klaus's header. Good pace on the ball. I think that was our best chance. But when two of those two of those three best chances come off of set pieces, what does that tell you about the effectiveness of our run of play? Um, we're relying too much on the set pieces. Uh, and yeah, that happened last year too. City uh, was the team that scored the most on set pieces last year. But uh, these first two games, um, yeah, um, it has looked like... To me, at least, it is looks like a, our best chances or a lot of the chances have been in, in set pieces, which is fine. Uh, if there's something you do well and, and you draw good plays, uh, that's great. But uh, it needs to be uh, supplemented by uh, the run of play. And we didn't see uh, a lot of that yesterday. And, uh, yeah, good chances first half. Uh, and, like, to me, uh, I was like, okay, scoreless half, which is something that doesn't happen too often at City Park. Um, maybe uh, things uh, will, will get better quickly on the second half and we will see some, some scoring. But, um, but yeah, the first half is when, when most of the chances happen. Yeah, second half came, no subs. And then you had RSL mostly in control of the momentum, mostly in control of the possession again, but also really driving the narrative, the conversation in the second half. And so that leads to when we made our big line change in the second half. 67th minute, we bring on Sam Adenarin, Jake Nerwinski, and Indiana Vasilev for Klaus, AZ, and Thorson. This moved us from a 4-2-3-1 into what I will stand by is a 3-4-1-2 with Indy as the 10 and Salio and Sam up top. And last week we talked about how formations are in this system very much dependent on how they set up defensively because in the attack it could look so it could look so fluid. But there was no doubt about this, the fact that we had three center backs, we had our wingers push up, Indy was the single 10, and you can make you can make uh, arguments either way on how effective this was mostly like a lot of other things that we're seeing today in the in the day after in the hours after skew to the negative on this is what went wrong there there are very few positives that can be remembered for certain players certain formation and how tendencies were in where you were shading um you do have to wonder though as before we get into the the real salt lake goal the st louis goal um you do have to wonder how much Josh Yarrow's injuries played into this. And I think Carnell alluded to this in some of his post-game comments saying, we just had to think quick on our feet and come up with a situation referencing not just the Parker injury, but also Josh Yarrow had two times where he had to leave the field because of what I believe were head injuries both times. He didn't get subbed out. He didn't miss significant time off the field but when you're looking at who you have to sub in which this is another part of the conversation you also look at can you afford to take josh yarrow out 
or do you provide him cover because he's still physically able to go? And that seems like what Carnell's decision was. He provided cover by putting in Jake Nerwinski. Jake Nerwinski is a right back by trade, but has a lot of experience in the right center back role. Heck, he has experience in the left center back role, but he doesn't like it. <laughs> right. Good. We know. Vancouver used him that way, but yeah. he will tell you straight up, he can play a right center back role in a two and three center back look. And so that's one thing I want uh, want to just say and keep in mind is that Jake Nerwinski is an option there at that right center back role if we need him to. And it became an option when you had Nielsen, Yarrow, and Nerwinski in order to give, I think, Yarrow some cover. And by doing that, you also changed up the responsibilities and some of the tactics of what the center backs need to be doing in the field. And I think that, to me, is what led to the RSL goal around the 74-minute mark after and St. Louis had moments before this. There was an offside call on St. Louis just before this that uh was a difference maker and I think further leads into the referee conversation which I'm trying to not go too deep on. But I Yeah. Probably, I, I don't know. Let's let's pause there. Before we get into the RSL goal, do you have any thoughts on that offside play or the referees in general? Let's just get that out of the way. Um no, I, I don't want to talk about the referees, okay. but I but I wanted to say you you mentioned the, the offside and um what City was doing well before the goal. Um I regardless of whether um some of these uh were adjustments on the fly because you have to provide cover for Jaro, I really like um that formation with with uh Nerwinski, Jaro and um and Nilsson and, yeah. and, and then the, the two wing backs. Like it was only not only to provide cover for Jaro, but uh, Bradley Carnell also mentioned uh, post game that uh, with with Joachim Nilsson being his first game back and uh, maybe not ready for ninety minutes, uh, that yep. including their whiskey there was also cover for for Nilsson and and for the first few minutes the the, the team looked good uh, defensively. Um, Andres Gomez uh, wasn't a threat anymore, at least. Uh, for a few minutes and, and things were, were looking good. And uh, to me also thinking, uh, okay, um, this will also give some rest to some guys for for Tuesday against Houston. So I, I, I like um, those substitutions. Uh, but yeah, then uh, RSL uh, score. Uh, they also, uh, and I have to apologize to our listeners, Matt, because uh, on on Thursday, I mentioned oh Matt Crooks and and yeah. the other international player that they don't have their visa yet. And then the following day, I see a picture of uh, Crooks um, boarding the plane to come to St. Louis. I still thought ah he, he's not gonna play. And uh, then he comes uh, second half, and uh, he was uh, he was one of the guys that made a difference, and uh, he assisted on the goal and. Yeah. He looked really good. I think he's going to make a difference in, in MLS. It wasn't just an assist on the goal either because that was such a well-built-up play. Building on their right-hand side, Crooks playing give-and-go and then finding the ball in central midfield in that right channel just in front of Indiana Vasilev. So the, the play that led to the goal was, I think, 
I look to our midfield as is the positioning issue because there was so much space with Edu Leuven in the middle of what ended up being the the beginning of the pass and the connecting pass. But I know a lot of the discussion centers around our center backs and how they handled that. And it was, I think, an issue because you have Chicho Arango who had been making runs almost the entire game. That is his MO. If you look at set pieces, if you look at the way plays build up, he has one job and that's to make a line breaking run. And he does, he does that so well. And he did it here where he started a few yards behind underneath Jake Derwinski and Josh Yarrow. As soon as Matt Crooks, before he even really touches the ball, Arango's starting his run. He sees the potential and he makes that run. It's the more, it's even more frustrating because Crooks hasn't actually practiced with Chicho Arango yet. He was in one day of training with RSL. So to your your point of whether we should expect him or not it was a it was a 50 50 shot at whether he'd see time as a sub in the second half unfortunately we just happened to see his debut be everything rsl hopes from their central midfielder who they expect to be their number 10 playmaker and it was a perfectly weighted ball and it was almost off of the side of his foot where he had gotten just to the ball just before indiana vasilev did and poked it through it was I, I know we want to blame the center backs and their positioning. And I was too. I posted on Twitter earlier today. I was frustrated by the spacing. I was frustrated by the fact that Jake Nerwinski could see Chicho Arango and, and he has to be responsible for that run. And what was Josh Yarrow doing on the other side of Chicho Arango? Because he didn't have a responsible player to cover. And so you have to be aware of when you have a talented player like Chicho Arango that you need to have eyes on. I was frustrated just like everybody else, but Sometimes you just have to call a spade a spade and tip your cap when one of the best attackers in the league does what they're paid to do. And that's what Chicho Arango did. He beat a defense that had moved into a three center back role. They might not have been versed in working with each other. Nerwinski with Yarrow in, in that, that's that mental, the muscle memory of the whole thing. So this as much as anything, yes, absolutely frustrated like anybody else is, but week one circumstances, formational change, one of the best attackers in the league. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster, and we got caught in it. I mean, you have to tip your cap to Chicho Rongo and Matt Crooks and their ability to do that. It was it was well-timed and well-placed, but the good thing is that just like they did so many times last year, St. Louis City had an answer, and they had an answer quick. As just a few minutes later, it was one of those quintessential things that we harped on as an issue so many times earlier in the game where you send the ball long and you hope to make something happen in one V ones. The difference this time was Sam Adenaran who came on the field. And as we've seen so many times is such a good one V one attacker, the way he wins the ball over the head of the defender, the way he takes the ball from the channel and the wing on the right hand side and goes straight for goal near the end line and his ability to flick the ball in from just a crazy angle. Like that is a low percentage shot angle right there that Sam Adenaran scored on to even the game just a few minutes after we went down. This is why you have to say that of all the players here at the end of the day, Thomas Dalton gets a lot of credit for 90 minutes. Sam Adenaran is the game changer. And he's the one who, who got us this point. Leuven had a great weighted pass. Like don't discredit him. Just like Sam had said in his post-game interview, he credited Leuven. Leuven credited Sam. That play couldn't have worked without both of them. Leuven gets a lot of a lot of comments, a lot of uh, derision on his overall performance and potentially going missing because he was only the fifth highest toucher of the ball in this game. He didn't have the ball progressing through him at all, but on this particular play, 
his individual skill did shine through and he did what he needed to do. He got the ball to Sam. Sam did what Sam does. And we ended up with a one, one draw as a result. Yes. Everything. It was, it was chaos at the end of the game. Jake Nerwinski may or may not have saved the game with a slide (laughs) tackle there on the ball at 97. I don't know if the ball was going in or out. I've seen people in the supporter section say they saw it was going in. The announcers from up high thought it was going out. From where I was, I thought it was going out, but but yep. still, he he got. You never know, and and he got to it, and right. Um, that, that's good day, that he was there. At end of the day, it was it was one v one, and as we as we look to some of the the fun facts and spotlights going out of this, uh, Eli Carlson in chat says, "What is what do you think of Blome's recent performances?" I mentioned earlier, I thought Jabulu Blome helped keep us in this game multiple times when Josh Yarrow had to step out. Blome has an ability we've seen multiple times to not just be a, a fantastic pivot in his defensive capabilities, in his ability to progress the ball. I'm not asking for him to progress the ball all the way up the field, but his ability to direct the ball when he needs to, his defensive capabilities are so versatile, not just in central in the central midfield, but he can take over as a one of those one of those center backs, as a fullback. He played right back a couple times last year in a pinch when we needed him to. And so as a sub last game coming on as, as the starter, this game playing the full 90, I think Jabulu Blom has started this season just as we hoped he would last year. I'm, I'm impressed with him. He's one of the players that I can't find much fault with at all in this game. And I give grace to a lot of players knowing this is the first week. I'm, I'm very much a positive view. This is there's rust to be worked out. Blom, Totlin and Sam are my three players of the game. Santi, who, who are you particularly impressed with in this game? Uh, I, I, talk about uh, Thomas Totland uh, earlier, but yeah, um, this game specifically, um, Blom, um, I think the fact that uh, he had a full preseason has really helped him. Yes. Um, and he, he's showing, he's showing that um, he's going to be very important for, for City. Um, but besides the three you said, uh, Sam, Totland, Blom, um, I don't have anybody else. Uh, Consensus, right? It's, I mean, it's it's a it's very difficult to to uh, to pick someone else um, because as as we have mentioned, uh, like very little connections, uh, a lot of missed passes. Um, so to me, it wasn't a, a good showing overall. And and yeah, we got the tie, um, but uh, it could have been a, a loss too. And and yeah, sometimes uh, Bradley Carnell also said it uh, on the press conference, um, good teams find a way to uh, get out of situations like this. Uh, and that's not ex- the exact quote, but something like that. And, and yeah, sometimes uh, just have to find a way and just uh, forget about this bad game and start thinking about um houston and right. uh, and i know there are a lot of reactions from people out there oh this team is not good or it has regressed but hey guess what two games and the team is undefeated and we've now gone two years to start our mls career with no losses in our opening match or our opening home match and we can we can live another year with that kind of a record. But speaking of records, speaking of takeaways, some spotlights coming out of this is that Edward Leuven has registered an assist in each of City's first MLS matches. He's recorded 15 assists in MLS season play. Leuven now has two assists in two matches played against RSL. Sam Adenaran, with his goal tonight, now has 10 goal contributions, nine goals and one assist in MLS. 
And for a second straight match, one of Bradley Carnell's substitutes scored a goal. We love talking about Bradley Carnell's tactical adjustments in the second half. So substitute scoring goals, changing games in the second half. I'm here for it. Chris yeah. Durkin and Tomas Totlin both sported those debut patches on their right above their Adidas patch on their on their kits. <laughs> they made their MLS debuts, MLS regular season debuts for St. Louis City. St. Louis City now has a one one and one record against RSL in league play after winning and losing last year. Although this this does is notable. City Park last year with a big loss. This is a better performance. Yeah. And City is now 13-5-3 as the home team across all competitions the past two years. City Park still being a fortress against losses, at least if nothing else. And one final takeaway. As we're recording this on Sunday night, we have the clarity of seeing the full slate of MLS Week 1 matches complete. We can now say that of all of the teams that have played in Champions Cup, and performed in week one, St. Louis City is par for the course. The teams in MLS that have competed in Champions Cup are 0-1-5 and five in week one. That's one loss and five draws. St. Louis City being one of those draws. It's, it's expected when you have this kind of congestion, this kind of focus on another competition. You're playing a good team. There's a lot that you can read into that, and not like about the individual performances, but week one of a 34-game regular season in the midst of two competitions Let's look big picture here as we pivot, if you're okay with that, Santi, into the Houston Dynamo leg two, round one of Champions Cup. Yeah, before we pivot, uh, I wanted to mention uh, one more fact, and I don't, maybe this is not a fun fact, but I uh, wanted, wanted to get your thoughts on it. Uh, so, Sam and I ran a score yesterday. The last time a striker scored a goal for St. Louis City SC, was September 30th against the Sporting KC. Ooh. Uh, obviously, uh, then uh, lost against Vancouver, lost against Seattle, and then um, in playoffs, uh, the goals were scored by uh, mm -hmm. Tim Parker and Celio. Yeah. And then last week, uh, also no, no strikers. I mean, not last week, on, on Tuesday. I, I guess you can say Celio is a, is a striker, but... Yeah, um, that's that's a stretch. I agree with you. So you're saying that as our strikers go, so goes City when it comes to MLS play. Uh, yeah, you, you could take it that way. I, I to me it was more a concern. Like, yeah, the team has yes. been scoring, and and we talk, uh, we have talked about set pieces being so important. But uh, it's also important to get the the strikers going, and uh, yep. hopefully, this is the beginning of. Uh, Good, good streak for Sam uh, because he he has looked great the last two games. Uh, he was denied by the post uh, twice against Houston, uh, and finally yesterday he he got that goal that he worked so hard for. Uh, so hopefully, I hope yeah. to see him starting against Houston. Yeah, that's a that's a great stat, and I, I I'm being a little facetious when I say as our strikers go, so go City in MLS play. That's one of those coincidences, but at the same time, it really does speak to the fact of, of their importance. As striker form goes, we tend to do better, and this is probably obvious. We tend to do better when our strikers are scoring goals, and that that's not to say that we can't find goals elsewhere, but it does tend to lead to success. So. As we pivot over into the Houston Dynamo, we do have to see how how did Houston Dynamo perform in this past week? Well, they were one of those five teams that drew in MLS Week 1. 1-1 draw against Sporting Kansas City. They had a second-half goal that came off of one of their subs against SKC. So they had a match that really 
had a lot of similarities to what they played against St. Louis. 60% possession by Houston, a lot of shots, low XG, 12 shots, five shots on goal, less than one XG for the whole game. MLSsoccer.com had slightly higher, but this is a team that I think had a lot of stops and starts. They were playing a sporting KC game. Those are sporting KC team that was looking to prove themselves as not making a whole lot of changes from last year, but being a team that resembled what ended the season as opposed to what began. And I know Houston being away was probably thrilled with this kind of a result. But one of my takeaways from this is who played for Houston. And Alessante, we talked a little bit before we started recording that Houston seemed like they took a pretty strong lineup into this match. What do you make of their performance and what do you read into some of their players? Well, I, I was surprised to see um, that they didn't um, rotate their lineup. Um, a lot of the starters that play at City Park uh, started yesterday. I think we counted two that that didn't. Um, so they're gonna they're gonna be uh, they're gonna have tired legs um, mm-hmm. on um, Tuesday. And part of that is that they also have uh, quite a few players that are injured. Um, Sebastian Ferreira got injured against uh, City on Tuesday, and then also the ones we have talked bef- about before, uh, Hector Herrera, Nelson Quiñones, Franco Escobar uh, has also uh, out. been out, and um, Amine Bassi, uh, who was also important for them last year, uh, he, um, my understanding is that he was dealing with visa issues, but uh, I just saw, uh, I was looking uh, while we were talking, it looks like uh, he's now in Houston and he got his green card. Wow. So, so he I, might make an appearance. Maybe. Maybe uh, we'll see him on the second half. We'll see how his fitness is. I mean, Abasi could be a game changer, but at the same time, you have guys like Artur, Coco Karaskia, Ibrahim Aliu, who played the full 90 against Sporting KC. And as we heard from AZ Jackson last week, it, uh, the body takes 48 hours or so just to be somewhat okay to go to have be at a baseline recovery, let alone how hard you worked after that kind of a game going 90. It's going to be difficult for Houston, I think, to, to muster a lineup that is as strong as what we saw last week, which is good for us. But at the same time, we're dealing with our own issues coming out of RSL, not just with the fixture congestion, but with injuries. We're looking at a back line that I want to say is a polar opposite from last year where you're looking last year at how deep were we at center back around the March, <laughs> April time period where we're yeah. having to send guys down to city two just to get minutes. And now we're talking about, do we need to call up somebody Jake Norwinsky playing a right center back? Like this is insane compared to where we were last year on the center back role. What do you make of some of these injuries and how they might impact city? Well, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just unlucky. Um, the good thing is that um, Tim Parker is expected to to be available. Yes. Um, but but yeah, just just thinking uh, about uh, how the team made some moves at the center back position to uh, position to get uh, some um, roster slots um, that they wanted to use for our players, and yeah. and then early in the season. Uh, you had uh, Kyle Heaver uh, with this uh, knee uh, injury that will take him out for about 10 days, according to the update uh, we got. Um, and then you had that, that scare with, with Josh Jaro. Um, but yeah, Jake Nerwinski is there if, if needed. Uh, Jabulo Blom, uh, what I'm interested in is if 
uh, Michael Wenzel maybe will be available for for this game. And yeah. since you since you are our rules expert, how does that work? Because this is a CONCACAF champions game. Do they need to do like one of those short term loans to to get him uh, available for this game? To the best of my understanding, yes. And I will refer back to the case of U.S. Open Cup v. MLS <laughs> in the recent past, where by all accounts, um, all the all of the blame has been going to MLS because of their roster rules and the lack of allowing for exceptions when it comes to non-league competitions. We saw this with the U.S. Open Cup last year and John Klein. We saw this with MLS play and John Klein. The MLS roster rules don't really state anything specific for league play. So Michael Wenzel, yes, he can absolutely be called up on a short-term affiliate loan, but I do think they would have to make that official. Um, we'll find out very quickly. Heck, we might find out by the time some of people are listening to this on Monday morning or afternoon. But I would not be surprised if St. Louis City made that kind of a move because, like you said, they're banged up on their back line. By my count, if you take in injuries into consideration and you take the fixture congestion, you're looking at Joachim Nilsson having gone 90 against RSL. You're looking at Anthony Markanik and Thomas Totland having gone 90 against both Houston and RSL. Kyle Hebert's out with a knee injury. Tim Parker has a muscle injury, but we're told that he's not going to be out long. So that is a wait and see to me. And then Josh Yarrow played the full 90 against Houston and 55 against RSL. Jake Derwinski, I guess you can count him into that as having played um, a little bit against RSL. That's a lot of names for mm -hmm. for two weeks when you're talking about injuries and tired legs so and we're seeing a lot of talk in in our chat and elsewhere is this a chance for nicholas dewar will akil watts see a performance um will jake nerwinski see an extended period of time here michael Venzel, you mentioned him i mentioned him last night when tom timmerman reported that kyle hebert was out for 10 days these are the players that we're going to have available. You hope Josh Yarrow is good to go because we're sounds like we're going to need him. You hope Tim Parker's good to go. But look to Michael Venzel. Don't be surprised if we see him there. Look to Akil Watts. Look to Nicholas Dewar, who didn't even make the game day roster. And I wonder if that was intentional. That That's my thought because we hear Nicholas Dewar is progressing to be able to go. And so to not have him on the RSL roster at all, more tells me that since we hadn't heard of an in injury, that's the caveat, is we don't know what we don't know. I think he was being saved entirely, not even in an emergency situation mm -hmm. like we saw some other players. You have Akil Watts there for that. Nicholas Dewar, to me, is honed in at this left-back spot unless there's an injury that we don't know about. At right-back, I look for either Jake Nerwinski or Akil Watts. And then center-back, I'm looking to Tim Parker if he's healthy, plus Josh Yarrow, or Michael Wenzel. Thankfully, though, Santi, everybody else, you're, you're just looking at managing minutes. You're just looking at who can recover the fastest. And that's why it's kind of hard to predict these lineups going into this, because a lot of it is depending on some of these fitness tests and who's recovering. So you can say who you think based on some of these minutes, but it depends on which players recover. And for this stat, I'll go to Chris Gebhardt that calls in the chat. The, the fun fact Tom Timmerman pointed out, which I, I will admit, I keep forgetting this. And I don't know why I keep forgetting it, but Indiana Vasilev has played in every single St. Louis City match ever. And we're in we're in year two, and he's played that's almost unheard of for an MLS, and given the in fact the amount of matches that exist. And for Indiana Vasilev to <laughs> first of all start 
the the season for St. Louis City in 2023 breaking his nose. <laughs> I know. Starts he this in, this includes a, a camp appearance for the U.S. Youth National Team. So the fact that he was able to continue his participation is incredible. But also he broke his wrist in the first part of the 2024 season. Like that broken bones won't stop Indiana Vasilev. And so when we're picking lineups, Indiana Vasilev came in late in this game. He He's just as good of a candidate to start as anybody else to me, given the fact that you had Klaus, AZ, and Thorson go 67. You had Salio go the full 90 against RSL. Julu Blom went the full 90. Edu Leuven played about 25 minutes more than he was expected to play against RSL. You've got tired legs. You have a three-day turnaround from that game. How quick can our sports performance staff get some of these guys up? And the likelihood of us seeing Sam at forward, Indiana Vasilev into the game, Tomas Ostrak into the game, Jose Kojima into the game are pretty high to me. Jose Kojima, wow. Um, yeah, but I think, but I think, yeah, with with all the minutes, everybody had. Um, I don't know if he will start, but uh, yeah, I think he will be in this game. And back to uh, Chris's question, I, I, I same as Matt. Like I keep forgetting about it. I knew at the end of last year, but I uh, had not thought about it uh, this year. But uh, it's amazing that uh, Indy has played, uh, has been in every game. And uh, I think the streak will continue on Tuesday. So let's look as we round out this first flyover fallout. Let's look at our predictions for starting 11. Now, I'll add a caveat to these aren't the predictions you're going to see on match day because what we like to do and what we're starting to do, I think, is a consensus starting 11. We, we kind of threw that together last second this weekend, but uh, it didn't serve us well this weekend. Uh, granted, <laughs> a lot of people missed. I think every other projection I saw missed at least four players or so, but they're fun to do. Our consensus might have a little bit of uh, each as Phil and Stu might break some ties. I'll start off with my predicted starting 11. Santi, I'll let you go with yours, and then we'll toss some scoreline predictions as we get out of here. I've got Berkey and Ned again. I think he makes it three for three. I will go with Nicholas Dewar at left back. Tim Parker and Josh Yarrow as our center backs. Jake Nerwinski starting at right back, though I could see Akil Watts in for him just as easily. I've got our midfield as Chris Durkin and Jose Kojima. I do have Jose Kojima starting in this game. I think it, there's a heck of an opportunity for him. And then I do say the 4-2-3-1 because without, with, with Klaus and Sam kind of splitting this, I think we go 4-2-3-1. My three attackers are Nukvi Thorson, Indiana Vasilev, and Tomas Ostrak. And then Sam up top. Okay. Um, very similar, but not the same. <laughs> so uh, very key. Then I have uh, Nerwinski, Jaro, Parker, and a left back, I have um, Akil Watts. Um, I just don't think uh, Nicholas Dewar is ready to start. Um, and you could be right. Maybe they were just keeping him all together just for, for Tuesday. But um, just thinking if he starts, he's not going to play um, 90 minutes. Uh, so that's why I have Akil Watts. Then uh, midfield, I have uh, Chris Dorkin and Jabulo Blom. Also going with that four-two-three-one, and I have the same, uh, the same, um, the same trio of uh, Basilev, Ostrak, and Nukbi Torrison. I was debating between uh, Torrison and Celio, but Celio played ninety minutes um, yesterday, so I think uh, Torrison is gonna 
start and maybe Celio will come at some point uh, second half and then uh, I have Sam and he's he's going he's going back home playing uh, in his hometown in front of his family Uh, he missed uh, the game last season when when City played Houston so it's going to be his first time uh, playing in his hometown against um, Dynamo. I think it's going to be one of those moments where Sam is as in form as any striker that we we have on the roster. And going into this match, I think he's going to have that big game energy, not just for Champions Cup, but for that homecoming. There's a lot to like about this. I think there's a lot to like about the potential for this lineup. It's going to be another one of those where anything could go in a, in a cup type environment. It is the it is perform or go home for both teams and on that note looking at what you need to do to perform or you go home let's look at the scenarios before we call it a night santi who will advance between st louis and houston for st louis to advance now they are on uh they're on a one goal lead in aggregate um st louis could advance with the following score lines is st louis coming first on this it could be a zero zero draw and st louis will advance a one nothing St. Louis win and St. Louis will advance. One one draw St. Louis advances. Two nothing, two one, two two, or a two three loss and St. Louis advances. And then if St. Louis City scores three goals and Houston scores four or less, St. Louis advances. And then same thing with that next on and on and on. St. Louis scores four goals, Houston scores five or less, they advance. So the opportunities are there for St. Louis. The importance of scoring a goal early cannot be understated because going up a goal with an away goal in this contest, that puts so much pressure on Houston that you're looking at putting them out of their comfort zone. And I would immediately place money on St. Louis. Santi, any final thoughts about either RSL or Houston before we call this one? The score prediction. No. Yeah, let's do it. I have, you know, I went first on the starting 11. You go with the score prediction first. <laughs> All right. My score prediction, um, City will advance to the second round of the CONCACAF Champions Cup, and it's going to be a 1-1 tie. I should have gone first. <laughs> okay. Uh, w- with the caveat that that was going to be my guess first two, I'll go with a 2-2 draw. I, I don't know that I see St. Louis winning this, but I definitely see St. Louis moving on. Um, I will be frustrated if we don't because it will take a significant push by Houston. And and as a caveat to this, the only extra time, because there is extra time if there's a an aggregate draw and an away goal draw, if Houston wins two to one, it will go to extra time. Oof, Otherwise... I- I hope it doesn't go to extra time. Then who's going to play on Saturday against New York City? Yeah. Both teams have quick turnarounds (laughs) for next week, too. So the less time we play, the better. And the quicker we can put this one away, the better we'll be. Because I look forward to going to Columbus. Santi, any final words? No, no. Looking forward to um, Tuesday. uh, City uh, continuing uh, riding. uh, in writing its, its history with uh, advancing to uh, the next round of an international competition. Looking forward to that. That's right. And we'll cover it all on Flyover Footy Thursday night. We'll record Friday. That pod will be out uh, 
if you if you have any other comments for us, questions, hit us up on social media at Flyover Footy. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here on Flyover Fallout to start off the 2024 season. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube, please do that. Check us out on the socials, our podcast. Leave us a review, a five-star rating if you can. It really helps us. We look forward to chatting with you all season long. And for Santiago Beltran, I'm Matt Baker. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you later. Vamos, City. Vamos, City.